Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I am Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. In my podcast production line, this topic wasn't even on the schedule, and I'm generally not interested in podcasting the quote-unquote news of the day stuff, but rather I'm interested in analyzing and discussing things on the macro level of culture and society. But I can't help myself with this one. I woke up this morning and decided I just had to talk about the first presidential debate last night on September the 29th. You know how it feels. You're commuting home from work. Traffic is just crawling along and you look up ahead and you see the flashing lights, police cars, tow trucks, ambulances, and you know there's a serious accident up ahead and you also know you don't need to look at the destruction. It really isn't your concern because the first responders are on the scene, they're working the incident, but still, what do we do as we drive by? We just have to look. And that was me with the debate last night. Having seen presidential debates for years, I knew what I was going to get, what to expect, and I knew it would probably be the worst I have ever seen. I probably would end up feeling worse about the future of our country than better. It didn't disappoint. It was embarrassing that this is what where we're at right now in our country. I mean, I didn't expect this to be a refined art of classical rhetoric, that time-honored discipline of informing, of persuading, and motivating uh, through proper etiquette and standards. I mean, my expectations going into into the debate last night, they were not that high. I wasn't expecting the rhetorical debate to live up to the standards of Aristotle, with debate being a very serious and a very important aspect of society. In fact, to the Greeks, debate or rhetoric was one of the three ancient pillars of discourse. So although I teach the humanities and I've taught rhetoric, I knew this was Biden and Trump after all, and it is 2020. But still, was it too much to ask for just a little decorum, a little bit about discussing programs and platforms, I should have known better. I should have not even tuned in. I could see it coming, though. I suppose you could see it coming, too. The The advertisements were almost like a prize fight as they were leading up to this debate. The only thing missing was the MMA news conference where Trump picks up a chair and throws it at Biden after staring each other down and taunting each other in the pre-fight presser. If, as Aristotle claimed, Rhetoric helps shape society if what we call last night rhetoric, God help us all. If this is what we call debate, and if this is what people actually use to shape their objective opinion on who to vote for, we are in trouble. I think practically and functionally we are so shaped, molded, manipulated by these filter bubbles of media, the social media and search, for the most part... If people are honest, the debate really isn't a debate anymore. We're just tuning in, almost like a football game. We want to see our tribe. We want to see our team win. 
you want to see him win, it's it's more sport. It's getting uglier and nastier. The pundits, for what they're worth, beyond filling up their 24 hours of airtime with blathering this, that, or the other, say that actually only about 1-3% to 3% of the voters at this point are probably undecided. And I would bet that's probably even true. But if this is really true, and if there is a segment of the population which was looking for the true purpose of debate to gather objective information, carefully weigh arguments, and then draw conclusions, well, I would say I doubt the debate cleared the air much. Thank goodness, though, we still have about 5,000 more commercials to form our opinion. Oh, along with the quote-unquote October surprises. By the way, just off topic a second, does anybody even really buy these breaking news, perfectly timed news drops right before a debate so either one or the other candidate can go ahead and use it as a as a tiny little option to throw a throw throw some flame at the other person i mean come on media let's just stop with all these october surprise stuff they're not surprises and they're not random and they're not just oh wow look what just happened i hope i think most people now are like oh yeah rolling eyes oh here's this one dropped to support trump oh yeah here's one dropped to support biden and then of course our presidential candidates How could anybody trying to draw an informed conclusion watch these two candidates biting each other's ankles on silly things? And then, of course, we get the Nostradamus-level end-of-world accusations each hurled at each other, and they don't even blink an eye with the deceit and the dishonesty that they're using. So, enough with this. These were my thoughts pre-debate, and here are my thoughts post-debate. I have no clue who won. But I know who lost this debate, the American people. And we would see yet another dagger into this crazy idea we have in our country of open, free, honest intellectual discussion, which would be traded in for an attempt possibly to score that one viral quip, that snarky comment, that one insult or that snide cheap shot that will eventually uh, make each side of their base applaud loudly Um, Yeah, we got them there. We got them there on that one. Yeah, the pundits on both sides, they can spin as best they can spin the emotional top. I'm sure the media on the left declared victory for Biden along with the media on the right doing the same. But who cares what the media thinks? But this was an ugly example. Um, Actually, it's not even an example of debate. So just for fun, let's look at what a debate is supposed to be. And what it's supposed to do. What we're supposed to take from it. And how we actually can and should develop arguments of persuasion. And things we should not see in a debate. It might cast some light on your views of your candidates. So debate. A certain number of characteristics. I'm just going to take the basic ones. A debate needs to be informative. A good debate is going to present complete information and fact in a factual setting. Debate is supposed to inform the public what they should know, to educate the people, to help them reach a logical understanding of the facts. Debaters should feed the audience the necessary facts and evidence to properly aid them in learning, grasping, and appreciating the thing being discussed. Debaters should not rely on their own opinion, 
but on general principles laid down by authorities and experts. So, hey Trump and Biden, just a little tip. Throwing out hyperbole and wild accusations at each other with the response that, that's a lie, that's a lie. That is not presenting information and it is not debating facts. Oh, and by the way, would each of you just consider for the next debate answering the damn questions as they pose them so we can actually acquire information? The moderator, and I don't know whether he's good or bad, he's, it doesn't matter. He did have some decent questions. If only the candidates would have actually answered them, we could have potentially gained some information. The second thing a debate is supposed to have is well-reasoned and persuasive arguments. Arguments that are raised in a debate must be logical, relevant, competent, and well-explained. Arguments must show a direct link to relevance and significance of what is debated upon. Arguments raised must be acceptable to us average people. All questions that lead up to the conclusion of the debate, they need to be clarified answered, analyzed. Debaters should make all their points clear and understandable. It is really hard to make reasoned arguments when both candidates are so busy trying to create those viral-worthy sound bites that they don't follow a logical progression of arguments. Maybe they're all caught up in the heat of the moment, or maybe they don't even have a plan. I don't know, but... And I don't know which one is scarier that these two candidates on the stage are going to one or the other is going to be the president and look at how they handle this situation. Oh, Biden and Trump, by the way, making your points clear and or understandable, it doesn't include remember when you said this and the response is, oh, yeah, well, remember when you said that and then the next response, well, you're a liar then no, you're a bigger liar. And then, uh-uh, you're the biggest liar. No backsies. I mean, the child's play in this debate was stunning. There was not one well-reasoned, clear argument devoid of emotion that I could find all night long. Another thing, a debate is supposed to be orderly. And so a debate needs to follow a certain format that will govern the proceeding of the debate and, and the conduct of the people that are on the stage debating. Heard a couple of times Chris Wallace, hey, you two, both of you agreed to the rules of the debate. Well, the rules should, among other things, set the task of each speaker and the time limit allotted to each of them speeches they need to be organized the other person shouldn't interrupt they need to be structured and they're in a methodical format debaters need to be polite they don't they're not supposed to speak over use verbal intimidation and interruption to try and win the debate oh my goodness for the love of all that is fair and good in this world would both of you yeah both of you trump and biden Stop interrupting each other. Stop interrupting each other in the next debate. Nothing is more annoying, frustrating, and shows a lack of dignity, lack of discipline, 
lack of emotional control than constantly interrupting the other candidate. It is one of the few times beyond these 30-second TV sound bites that the country can see both candidates on stage at the same time having to extemporaneously explain themselves. And it was all wasted. That interrupting, that talking over of each other, not answering the questions. I would guess many people literally turned that thing off for this very annoying thing of just simply letting each other express their opinions. So these are some of the basic, these are not advanced debate tactics. They're just elementary level stuff that all of us should expect at the bare minimum. In fact, all of us should expect if we're ever discussing things, it doesn't even have to be a formal debate. Just that you're talking and you're passing information that the way you present your conversation with someone, it's well-reasoned and it's persuasive and it follows an orderly format where you speak and then you listen and you let the other person speak and then you have the chance to respond. I mean, this is not really complicated things, but these two candidates both failed. Oh, and beyond what Biden and Trump should have done there are things that we should never see in a debate but of course both candidates did these things to each other all night long the first one ad hominem attacks or in just plain english personal attacks when people think of arguments often their first thought is of shouting matches riddled with personal attacks ironically these personal attacks they they're completely contrary to rational arguments in logic and rhetoric a personal attack is ad hominem as i said it just means against the man so instead of advancing good sound arguments and reasons these attacks, they replace logical argumentation, and they're completely unrelated to the truth of the matter. I mean, we know this. I mean, we heard it last night. You're not smart. You're a clown. You're a racist. You're weak. You're a socialist. You're an idiot. You're a liar. You always lie. And about 50 other of these just personal attacks on each other. Trump and Biden, would you Please, there are people watching this. There are kids, there are high school kids, there's college students. And what you're showing them is pathetic. The second thing we should never see in a debate is a red herring. And this is just a fallacy in reason, which is a distraction from the argument, typically with some sentiment that seems... It seems like it's a relevant discussion, but it isn't really exactly on topic. This tactic is very common when the debater doesn't like the current topic and wants to detour into something else instead, something easier or something safer to address. A red herring fallacy, it's typically related to the issue in question, but it's not quite perfectly relevant to the question. So instead of clarifying and refocusing it, it just confused, it just confuses the issue and distracts it. There was an example last night, question to Donald Trump. Basically, and I'm not quoting this exactly, there was a report that came out, Mr. Trump, President Trump, 
uh, that said you only paid $750 in income taxes, will you talk about did you actually just pay $750 in income taxes? Trump's response, I've paid millions in taxes over the year. Over the years, property, payroll, all kinds of taxes in the millions. And then, of course, he switches to how great his tax reduction plan was for America or some other tangent. It's a complete red herring. Question to Joe Biden. Mr. Biden, there's violence in all our streets. Your campaign has said we need to reimagine policing. What does this actually mean? And then Biden response. Donald Trump is fanning the flames of violence and then he goes on some tangent about it's actually Donald Trump's fault that we even have to worry about policing uh, because his supporters are making things very dangerous in the city and he's a racist. Nothing to do with that question. The question was you've talked about that police may not be the solution. Instead you need to reimagining reimagine policing. So what actually does that mean to reimagine the police? I have no answer to that question, nor do I have an answer to Donald Trump's question on the on the specific year of that tax report. Nearly every question, every time, this oh so very annoying tactic was present. Another one, slippery slope fallacy. The slippery slope fallacy works when the candidate moves from a seemingly benign premise or starting point and works through a number of small steps to this improbable extreme. It suggests that unlikely or ridiculous outcomes are going to happen when there is just enough, there just there simply isn't enough evidence that could support such a thing. Trump said this, Elect Joe Biden and the radical socialist agenda will destroy our country forever. Biden said this, Elect Donald Trump, due to his divisiveness and division, will destroy the very moral fabric of our country forever. There were more slippery slopes on that debate stage than a wet and wild water park. Notice, though, and I want you to pay close attention on this fallacy, both of these candidates are incredibly guilty of this. They literally are speaking end time stuff against the other candidate. This is dangerous. It is unhealthy. It is not helpful to talk end times against the other party in this country. I wish there were more than two. I wish there were four, five, six choices for president in all honesty. But this is what we got. So we see this fallacy over and over again. False dilemma is another one. This fallacy actually has a few names. You might hear it called black and white, either or, false dichotomy, bifurcation fallacy. But really, it's just a line of reasoning uh, that fails by limiting the options to two choices when there are, in fact, many, many options to choose from. Sometimes these choices are between one thing and the other thing or both things together, they don't exclude each other. Sometimes there's a whole range of options for a problem that's presented. Maybe there's three, four, five, or 145 different solutions. However this happens, and whatever the issue, that false dichotomy or either-or fallacy errs by just oversimplifying problems to the most basic range of things. Trump, here's one of his false dilemmas. Elect me and have the greatest economy in the history of the world. Or elect Joe Biden and see the economy in shambles. Gee, do I suppose that maybe there might be some other alternatives in between there? 
Joe Biden, elect me and we're going to save the planet for all future generations. Or you can go ahead and elect Donald Trump and you're going to be drinking brown water and breathing dirty air through an oxygen mask until you drown as the sea overtakes the entire nation. I mean, come on. Come on. Either one of these. There's a whole set of solutions in between all of these. And it's just utterly, it's, I actually find it insulting that these two candidates would find people so dense that they would buy into this either-or fallacy that they both were spewing last night. And then finally, the straw man argument. Oh my goodness, this one, this, this one defies any level of logic. But the reality is it's much easier to defeat your opponent's argument when it's made of straw, thus the straw man fallacy. And this argument is aptly named because after a harmless, lifeless scarecrow. So in the straw man argument, someone attacks a position the opponent doesn't really hold exactly. Instead of contending with the actual argument, which can be a nuanced argument, he or she attacks the equivalent of a lifeless bundle of straw and easily, of course, defeats it, which isn't even what the opponent had in mind or is actually their position to begin with. I mean, really, this argument is a cheap and it's an easy way to make one's position look stronger than it actually is. There was so much straw on that debate stage, we could have fed a herd of Iowa cattle from that. But here's one example only. Donald Trump said, Joe Biden, doesn't want the streets to be safe. Let me argue why my law and order plan works. Now, Trump claims to be the law and order president, that's fine. But how many of Joe Biden's voters want to live in fear of their life on the streets every day? Is that even logical? Think about it. Would Joe Biden actually argue that he wants the entire nation in chaos on the streets? It doesn't make sense. Joe Biden said this about Donald Trump. Donald Trump only cares about millionaires and billionaires. Let me argue why my economic plan is better for everybody. Now think about that. How many of Donald Trump's supporters are millionaires and billionaires? If that's actually a true statement, Mr. Biden, last election he probably got, I don't know the nouns, 40, 50 million voters. I didn't realize we had 40 to 50 million millionaires and billionaires that would support Donald Trump. So you saying that he's building an economic plan that only benefits millionaires and billionaires is as ridiculous as him telling you that you don't want the streets to be safe and you'd rather have chaos and your voters killed in the street. That's a straw man argument. But enough. You get the point. Why did I do this podcast? For a couple reasons. I want us to see how utterly despair Despicably far, we have fallen as a democracy in our debates. And number two, when these fallacies, these false notions, this failure to do the most basic elementary functions of debate, honestly, ethically, we need as a society to be very loud and very vocal against both these candidates to stop it. To act like adults and not petulant children. Okay, I'm glad I got all this off my chest. This was actually incredibly therapeutic for me to get this all out of my mind and and into this podcast. Now, how many more of these debates do we have to endure? Or maybe for the next debate, I need to just watch some Seinfeld reruns for the 20th time or so and give up on it. 
thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you found value in this topic. As annoying as these debates are, it is important that we at least hear and we see these candidates side by side while also understanding when they fail to truly address, discuss, and debate issues. I hope this podcast gave you some new insights. Remember, I generally publish new episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays, so if you click like or follow, you'll be alerted when new episodes come available. Until the next episode, I hope you have a wonderful week.